it's your girl Savvy Speaks, and I'm back with another episode of Everything Under the Sun, and that's under without the e. All right, so I'm so so excited. We have another guest for today. Um, but before we get into that, I am gonna go ahead and give the weather check for today. So, as you may or may not know, I am in Berea, Kentucky. The low is 56. The high is 71. It is 71 degrees and it is drizzling. That doesn't make sense. It was literally like hot, like just 20 minutes ago. But it is hot over here under the sun. And if you don't know, hot stands for honest, open, and transparent. So on this podcast, we talk about a whole bunch of things and we like to be real. Like we're going to keep it real, like real, real. And so today um, we're going to soak up some vitamin D on a very interesting topic before i even tell you what the topic is i'm going to introduce you to my girl uh this is my first ever roommate from college this is my chocolate puzzle piece this is the girl that we went through some ups and downs and we're here today she's about to graduate and so i'm just gonna allow you to introduce yourself well she said real and it's the realest out there <laughs> um my name is ayak um ayak shinkok that is from south sudan the one and only um and yeah i'm very privileged to be here today Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ayak. Let's see. Um, well, like I said, I'm from South Sudan. Let me just put that out there. Um, I am very prideful of where I'm from, and so I don't want you to ever forget it. Um, I am a communication major here at Berea. Um, I like to tell people I have an honorary degree in psychology. If you see me, ask me why. Um, I have a minor in child and family studies, and your girl is graduating in May in like three weeks. Bro, three weeks. Yes. Uh, so turn me up when you see me, please, and thank you. Um, and yeah, I'm also the oldest of eleven. Um, I am proudly a big sister. Um, I am a nature enthusiast. Love to be out in the sun because uh, you know my skin be glistening. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay, y'all. She said her skin is glistening, and if you see this girl in person. Bro, you're like, oh my gosh, she is gorgeous. I remember so many times freshman year, people would like walk up to us and be like, your skin is so beautiful. Like, if you see Ayak, she has like the richest dark skin ever. It's, it's just amazing. Oh, don't hide me too much now. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going to soak up some vitamin D on, I don't even know how to like put this in words, but like, how would you describe it's tough because we're talking about identity. But if you're African, you know how it is, even if you're an immigrant, um, but particularly if you're African, just because of this idea that black identity is misconstrued in the U.S. And so it's like, OK, are we African? Are we African-American? Are we black? How do we see ourselves? And so we're just covering identity today. You know what? So today we are soaking up some vitamin D on the topic of am I African enough? So I really like that. And I feel like this pertains to us both because when we came freshman year, we are like two girls who are, you know, we have immigrant parents. We came to um, the U.S. And I feel like for, for both of us, college was a time that we got to explore a little bit more of our African identity. Absolutely. Now, I'm Ganyan, and I, I think Ayaka is going to explain a little bit more about her background. But I'm Ganyan, and I was born in Italy. I touched base in Ghana like once in my life. And then I've been in America for like 20, maybe 21, 22 years. And I'm 22 years old. And so I was raised in a purely Ghanaian. My mom is Ghanaian. My dad is Ghanaian household. They they trained my siblings and I to like speak the local language tree. But like to this day, I can, I, I can barely carry a conversation. Um, but in my mind, I'm African and I'm not African-American because in my mind, African-American means black. And like I know like black culture is different from African culture. So even though I've been in America for 20, 
21 plus uh, 21 plus years i don't feel that i'm african-american so coming to college i really felt like okay i got to meet other africans and i said this in my first time like the um i met ghanians who were just like oh you're not ghanian because you weren't raised in africa and i was like wait 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 because i don't see myself as being african-american and there are oftentimes i i do feel too african for african-americans but i'm too african-american for africans so i'm split in between but i want to i want to hear about your side of the story i feel like i relate to everything that you just said um for me like i said i'm south sudanese but i was born in lebanon in the middle east and so i've never been to south sudan but like you can't sit up and tell me you're not south sudanese you know it just don't make sense and so with that i have been in the u.s for like 17 18 years now and i also don't see myself as african-american i just don't feel like i relate to the african-american culture right but i remember when i came to school here People were like, oh, you don't have an accent. You're not African. Okay, so what am I? Right. You don't call me American? It don't make sense. People don't just look at me and like say, oh, you're American. And that's not, it shouldn't all be about looks, but I also, I don't feel American. I don't feel African-American. Right. And I feel like, I've learned that people, especially whenever they know where they're from, why would you just denote yourself to just being black? You know, yeah. not that black culture is not wonderful or that there are not so many great things that come with being a black individual. But I'm so much more than that. I know where I'm from, you yeah. know, and there are so many who don't have that privilege. But if I do, what a shame it would be if I if I wouldn't tell the world where I come mm, from, you know, that's deep. That's deep. I did a paper like my sophomore year about like the relationship between people in the diaspora. So everyone who's black, black Americans, Africans, and then Caribbeans and like how we kind of relate, but how we kind of differ. And it, it, it made me realize that there's a difference when we say black. Cause there's like, there's like black, the race, and then there's like black, the color, and then there's black, the culture. So how would you touch on those topics? That one's tough because I feel like I relate to some aspects of that. Um, You said black the race. Mm -hmm. I'm obviously a black individual. Um, You said black the color right yeah yeah i like i said i'm a black individual and then black culture i think is where i struggle the most because i don't fully relate to black culture mm-hmm. like i see myself as a um black individual but it's like okay if i hang around black americans sometimes it's like okay you get your black car taken away because <laughs> i there are so many movies i haven't watched yeah. there are so many things i just don't understand but at the same time i can watch a video about black culture and relate to certain aspects right. of it because they do ultimately come from the diaspora you know they are a part of the diaspora and so they are able to relate to lots of African culture and I like to think that's where it originated yeah. like they were able to take what they remember from African culture and then form their own culture yeah. from it and so I think because of that it's it's like a conglomeration of different things but it stands alone mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's why I'm not fully black American but at the same time Africans don't fully claim me so then where do I lie girl you talked about getting a black car taken away what movie have you not seen I haven't seen like oh my goodness name a movie I probably haven't seen it okay have you seen Friday? Okay, I just recently watched those series, actually, like a year ago. Next Friday. I watched the whole series. Oh, Friday after next. Yes, yes. I feel like I had to. We just knocked them all out. <laughs> but there are so many that I haven't seen. I haven't seen Get Out. I don't know if that's... Okay. I don't know if that counts. Mm-hmm. Um, What else haven't I seen? Have you seen The Nutty Professor? No. <gasps> okay. Never heard about it, but it sounds like some fat dude. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, glasses. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have you seen... I don't know Tyler Perry movies. I've seen some, and but I vaguely understand the concept of Medea. Uh, oh, vaguely. Okay, very vaguely. Yes. Okay, valid, valid. One hundred six in Park. Hey, never heard of that. <laughs> I've heard of that one. What's it called? South Park. 
Oh, that's a cartoon. <laughs> oh, a cartoon. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. So I don't know. They they stay taking away my car. No, that that's actually facts because. But the thing is, the thing about like this black culture is that sometimes it only pertains to a certain group of black people. Because one thing I realize is like, so we're black, but the culture is so different. Like you have black people who are raised in white neighborhoods, black people who are raised in Appalachia, black people who are raised in the ghetto and black people who got out of the ghetto. Yeah. So it's like, just cause you haven't seen these movies, does that really mean that you could take my black identity? Cause I don't relate with you. Cause I don't fit into the stereotypes. I don't like to eat watermelon. Mm-hmm. I don't like to gr- drink grape juice. Don't like to eat chicken like that. Like, does that mean that, you know, I'm, I'm not black according to your standards. I don't know. I've always questioned that. And then I think what's even crazier is like among some black Americans, they don't want to be called African-American. Some Mm. black people just want to be called black. Yeah. And so I've always thought that was an interesting concept. So then what defines blackness? You know, what defines black culture? Is black culture just in America? Like I I have so many questions that I feel like I can't answer as a person who doesn't identify as black American or African-American. Right. And I don't even tie my identity to America at all. Yeah. And so I just like that's even more so for me not to feel that I belong that I that I am the one to speak on that culture you know Africans do that a lot we're just like we're not from here because like at the end of the day I feel like a lot of us because of the way our parents raised us like their identity kind of like in a way morphs into our identity too so it's like even though I've never lived in Africa it's like I feel like I've been there yeah like so there were moments when I was younger where they would talk down about using calculators because like oh when I was in school I didn't use calculator I used my mind Mm -hmm. so in my mind I was like okay here go that mental math (laughs) so when I saw people using calculators I was like these Americans like (laughs) knowing that like we're still we're on the same level so i feel like a lot of the things that my parents taught me about africa made me it, it, it's kind of morphed into my identity where i feel more associated with ghana than i do america but then sometimes i feel bad because i could pull out my accent real quick like i'm from atlanta so i could talk like this and like <laughs> i can like code switch and so it makes me feel like dang like i i can be i can be really african depending on who i'm around mm-hmm. but then i could pull out my african americanness whenever i'm around and it's just like okay so like I'm kind of conflicted. Yeah. I, then I start to feel like, okay, am I not being authentic? Mm-hmm. Like, am I like doing a disservice to the black culture whenever I like, I just, you know, go back and forth understanding that that's something that a lot of times they can't do themselves. And so I definitely feel that I, I I'm in a bind myself a lot of times, mm-hmm. but then I realize and I reflect on like my upbringing and there were moments where if I wasn't like a certain type of way, I just would not have been successful. Yeah. You know, you touched on like how it was, like how our parents imprinted on us growing up and stuff. And you remember, I'm sure you do like growing up whenever you would act a certain way, your parents like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> we're not American. We're not here to stay. So, why are you acting this way? Mm-hmm. But then, okay, so then you go to the public school system and you bring your entire African personality and you bring your ethnic foods and, yeah. and all of the, the nine yards and then it's like, okay, what what are you doing here? You yeah. know, like, this is not what America is about. And so it's like, then I'm even more conflicted. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no. I remember the first time I took um, jollof rice to school because mm-hmm. like, I always saw people bringing their own lunch and I was like, you know, I want to do that too. So I brought rice and like, I forgot rice has to be like microwaved. So I'm there like sitting and eating cold rice. They're like, what is that? Like jollof rice. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, and that's like when I, and I lived in California at this time. So I went to like a predominantly white elementary school. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I first saw that like, oh, I'm a little different because these people bringing sandwiches. I'm bringing rice. Yeah. And it smells different and it looks different. And it made me like more self-aware, like more self-conscious that like, I'm different from you guys. And it's crazy because as a child, you don't even recognize that you're different. Yeah. You've seen those videos circulating on the internet where it's like kids and it'll be like one black boy, one white boy. And it's like, 
we're brothers mm-hmm. and they go and they'll tell their parents that they'll tell their friends that and it's like we obviously know like you know you guys don't look the same not that y'all can't be brothers but yeah. they think they're like brothers for real for yeah. real but it's like children don't know any better until they're told and so it's like we didn't realize we were different until someone sat up and they're like what is that food that you have like yeah. that's that's incorrect yeah and so i think that part is just so crazy like we could have lived our whole lives believing that we just belong wherever we we feel like we belong mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if like if we don't share this notion that we're different or this narrative would that make the world a better place where we're just like well we don't make it so clear like oh you're black you do that oh you're white you do that or like these stereotypes or do you feel like they help us as a society like understand and classify people Ooh, that's a tough one i feel like that's something i haven't considered too deeply mm-hmm. because i feel like not all stereotypes are bad. Like right. sometimes we sit around and we joke about the stereotypes that are placed on us because I feel like stereotypes has a negative connotation, but it doesn't always have to be negative. Yeah. Like black people do enjoy watermelon, yeah. but not all black people enjoy watermelon. Yeah. But we joke around about it and we like bring watermelon to functions and things like that yeah. because it's something that we do enjoy. It's yeah. just something that has also been misconstrued over time. And if you look at the history of like certain things, there are definitely negative connotations behind it. And that's where the problem comes from. The yeah. negative implications behind it but inherently i feel like stereotypes can be a way to bond and to bring people together as something that we're able to share like it's just saying like this is something that you know most people within the culture can unify on and that's why we just make it big because it signifies us in some way but like i said i think the negative implications have definitely like driven it to being something that it doesn't have to be right and especially when it's like people outside of the culture doing it Mm -hmm. like as black people we know that we can joke about certain things but then whenever you bring like somebody else into it it's like okay but you're not part of the culture so why are you it seems like you're making a mockery of us you know I feel like it's the same thing with the n-word when other people say it you're definitely making a mockery of Mm. us but when we do it like you know everybody talks about how we took back that word and we made it like something that we can use amongst one another Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that way about stereotypes at large obviously the n-word has a lot more implications behind it but yeah I find it interesting that you say that because I have like a cup of grape juice right now and like (laughs) I do love watermelon in the summer and I do like some chicken but I'm not like I feel like the stereotype, like what you said, it doesn't apply to everyone because I'm not the type to eat fried chicken. I like my chicken grilled. I like it good. <laughs> I like rotisserie chicken. I'm weak. But, okay, so I know, okay, I want to ask you this because, okay, so you, t- you talked about the N-word, right? Do you feel as though Africans, it applies to Africans as well? Because I've heard that like Africans weren't the, well, okay, <laughs> it goes into slavery and all this stuff and it gets a little bit complicated, but it's just like, so you have like black people saying it, you have Africans saying it, but sometimes I hear people say like, you're African, so you can't say that because it didn't apply to you. But then, like, back in the day, like, it was the Africans. And then, so, so what, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've definitely heard that argument myself. And even that same argument conflicts me as well because I know, like, back in Africa, we hear how some of the Africans say that word. Yeah. And it's, like, it's so funny to us being uh-huh. in the States. It's like, why are you saying it like that? You obviously, like, you don't look like you have any type of business saying that word, you know? Uh-huh. But I wouldn't be the one to tell them. But then here in the States, it's like, okay, but we we grew up here, you know? And mm-hmm. we're also still technically part of the diaspora. Like, there are reasons that we have to, to be here in America. Right. And obviously that goes back to um, colonization and colonialism and how, like, the, the war was started within our countries and that's why we're displaced from Africa ourselves and so I feel like because of that I know like it ties more so like into slavery but I feel like even us being separated from the continent we're still part of the diaspora just as much as black Americans are part of the diaspora and so that's why sometimes like I don't feel necessarily bad when I see Africans in in America saying Mm -hmm. the n-word but at the end of the day I don't know if it's my place to really make that call right 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 no I feel that I, I I'm always so torn because like 
it's just a lot. And I grew up in a, in a neighborhood that was like predominantly black and Hispanic. And so my high school had like what, like five white people. And so I would hear like Hispanic saying it. And people were like, uh-uh, they can't say that. And like in my mind, it just like, it makes me think like what constitutes like who can say it and who cannot. I'm not condoning anybody saying it because me personally, I chose not to say it because I was just like, it's a little complicated and I'd rather just not be in the mix. Valid. But it's just like people who are born in these like predominantly black spaces where internally, like even though on the external they're like Hispanic or on the external they're Asian, but like when you see and talk to them, you're like, oh, you're black. Like you're black on the inside, but you're Asian on the outside. Yeah. So it's just like, how do you constitute who can say what or do what whenever that's their culture? Well, mm. <laughs> <laughs> let me die <laughs> that one's tough and i think it's tough because when you look at black americans this is the only culture they know mm. you know they had to like we said they had to take something that they once knew right. and kind of remodify it into something that's practical for the life that they know now to create their own identity mm -hmm. and so even though other people might be immersed within like the black culture even though we see um especially in like low-income neighborhoods hispanic people and black people right. spending a lot of time together sometimes you know they might grow up thinking like that's just something that's normal whenever they hear that word thrown around but at the end of the day hispanic people have their culture right, right. black people black americans this is the only mm. culture they know and who are we to like stand in the middle of that and to kind of like make a mockery out of it you know mm. so I feel like <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i wasn't expecting that but i was spitting man no 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 that was good that was really good you're putting a lot of perspective on it that's wow Okay, so then I have this question in the sense of like, I feel like a lot of African parents, whenever they left Africa, they came to America with the idea of the American dream. I'm bringing my children here to get an education so they can make our lives better. Some of them to go back and make Africa better, right? But then I feel like a lot of them didn't know that they were going to actually end up raising African-American children because I see it a lot where, you know, your immigrant parents bring you to America and then you have Africans wanting to be black or pretending like, oh, you know, I'm black. I'm not even African. My parents are African. And it's just like, wait, wait, wait. There's such a divide in the in their own identity because like for us we're proud to say that we're african being in america but then there are some people who their parents are both african they are african but because they were born or raised in america then they consider themselves black and not african and so what do you what, what are your thoughts on that that's crazy because I actually did my senior capstone presentation in communication on this very topic. I studied um, the acculturation gap within first and second generation African immigrants living in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and so acculturation just, you know, refers to how we navigate between cultures. And everyone talks about assimilation, you know, like, oh, we assimilated to this, we assimilated yeah. to that. Assimilation is not even the best form of acculturation, arguably. Right. And so acculturation talks about assimilation, integration, uh, separation and negotiation, I want to say. Wow. Um, and integration research has shown is actually the best form of acculturation so to yield the best results for not only the parents but the children as well you need to accept the host culture that you're in as a culture that can be a part of your identity mm -hmm. but also recognize the home culture in which you come from mm -hmm. so it's this idea of bringing them both together assimilation doesn't do that it only acknowledges one aspect of that culture mm -hmm. and so with that, I thought that the uh, things that I was able to find within my study were particularly interesting because when it comes to, oh, well, let me explain the acculturation gap. The acculturation gap comes with, um, so whenever you're integrating the two cultures or whenever you're acculturating, however that looks, there is this quote that says that 
parents of immigrant children, um, their their parents will acculturate at slower rates than their children will. Mm. And so it's kind of this idea. We talked about this this lack of understanding that we have when it comes to our parents. But in reality, our parents will never understand us the way that we want mm. them to understand us because they have spent more time interacting with their home culture. When they come to the U.S., they don't have a desire. They come as adults. They don't have a desire to make America their home. They don't have a desire to make um, American culture part of their identity. And so with that, they will always be a step behind us in terms of understanding how American culture operates. It, we would be incorrect um, to assume that our parents can understand where we're coming mm. from whenever we, we say these things about American culture, whenever we act, whenever we react with the things that we see about American culture. Our parents cannot meet us there. And so that's where the gaps occur. It's basically a gap within um, understanding of one another. And so I thought that was particularly interesting. And it put a lot of things into perspective for me because it's like, oh, wow, like my parents might not truly understand significant parts of my identity. I can't exist and say that American culture has not imprinted on me in some way. Right. I don't make it my my identity but there's there's no telling that you know it has changed me in some way mm -hmm. you know and so with that I also found within my research that between first and second generation Africans living in the U.S. Um, so a first generation is one who was born either in Africa, and I believe it applies to people who were born as refugees within a neighboring country right. as well, um, especially when you say you're a first generation African living in the U.S. But then second generations were born here. Mm. And first generations are actually more likely to say that they are, um, they're more likely to say, okay, I'm Ghanaian, I'm Sudanese, I'm you know from a very specific place, or to say that I'm African. Right. Second generation Africans living in the U.S. are more likely to say that they are African-American. Mm. And that's because they've never been to Africa. They don't have that tie in the same way that a first generation might. Yeah. And sometimes they're second generation, but they've still been to Africa. But for the most part, between first and second generation Africans living in the U.S., a second generation African is more likely to identify as African-American. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because um, me and my older sister, we were born in Italy and then. Uh, my the younger two siblings were born in America and I was having this conversation with my sister and mm -hmm. uh, my younger sister she was saying like you know when I think about it I'm actually like we're actually like African American and I was just like like why do you say that because in my mind upbringing does a lot and we were raised in an African home but I forgot she was born in the states and so the states is all she knows plus like the the African upbringing but like she didn't she didn't get that experience of being born somewhere else and coming here. And so I realized that we have two different realities of life because and for me, my sense of being was like I was brought to America. She was born in America. So there's there's that like difference in the way that we view things. And so sometimes she would act a certain way. No, it's funny because I would see the way she interacts with her friends. I hear her accent change. I hear her like throwing a few words that she don't be using at home. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like this girl has a whole different personality. But that's that's almost what we kind of have to do whenever you're brought up in an immigrant household. So you're home and I realize that like whenever you're home, your accent changes a little bit. So yeah. I didn't realize this until my friends called it out. I'll be on the phone with my mom and I'm like, hi mommy, how are you doing? And, and my, my my accent would come out a little bit more, but then when I switch to my friends, it's completely like it's, it's sounding like this. I'm enunciating my voice and code switching. So in Atlanta, I sound a little bit more, a little bit more lax. My, my, my language is like, it's chill. I use a lot more slang. You know, I'm like, oh, you stupid. But <laughs> in Kentucky, I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like, <laughs> I, I change it up. No, I feel that. And it's funny because we even like in the beginning, we had talked about, okay, like, are we the ones to really, like, are we being disrespectful toward black culture whenever we do things like this? Mm. But now that I think about it, it's code switching. And everybody recognizes that code switching is necessary for survival and so like if we don't and at the same time 
everyone searches for identity. It's something that we do in all phases of our life and it constantly changes. And so if we are trying to find ourselves in the same way that black Americans are trying to find themselves, then I don't think that we are in the wrong to interact with the culture that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Black American culture is what we see. It's what we have been integrated to, you know? And so because we are all children of the diaspora at the end of the day, I don't think that we should feel a type of way for Mm -hmm. just placing ourselves within that mess and trying to see if this is something that we want to make part of ourselves. So then how do you address like the discomfort or just like the the beef between Africans and African-Americans? Because a lot of us Africans have this story that like when we were younger, called African booty scratcher, called all these things. They, they say, oh, wah, wah, ooh, all these things yeah. that they used to bully us with. But then now they're embracing the culture and the music. Afrobeats is on the radios. Everybody's learning the dance moves and stuff like that. And so like, how do you address that where? Yeah. How do you just address that? So do you ever think about the fact that like we are some of the first Africans within the U.S. Like we're first generation for a reason. Mm. In my mind, sometimes I forget that there are Africans that came before us. When I meet Mm, like people like I'm the oldest, you know, and I'm only 22. And so whenever I think about, you know, whenever I meet somebody and their oldest child is like so much younger or so much older, I'm like, okay, but I thought we were the first people to like ever come to America as Africans, Mm -hmm. like fully African identifying people. And so that concept is just has always been really interesting to me. But with with that i just think oh shoot what was your question um addressing like the beef between africans and african americans yeah and so with that i just think it's it's been interesting like i feel like a lot of it just comes with with education mm-hmm. and so because we are so new as africans within the us or like as a people as a diaspora um i've just Like in the beginning, it it did hurt, you know, like them saying all of these things, because I'm sure most of us did experience it. But now looking back, I feel like people have been educated and we should almost be like happy that they've realized, you know, just because we were separated doesn't mean that we can't have that same like familial type love. Mm -hmm. Because now they are like um, recognizing the culture and embracing the culture. And to me, it doesn't seem like um, disgenuine or ingenuine. It seems very authentic. It seems like they are trying to place themselves in African culture the best way that they know how. Because like I said, we are the first people to come here and we did have the privilege of coming here. And so for them, I just love the fact that black people as a whole are trying to embrace their African sides more. Um, And it's just a shame because I feel like our parents, our African parents perpetuate so much of that. And so even whenever I came to the U.S., I'm not going to lie, not not even the U.S., when I came to college, I had so many misconceptions about black Americans. And I had to learn that a lot of that was because of my parents, you know. And it's crazy because sometimes I wonder, what do people who never went to college do? How do you? unlearn all of the things that your parents have taught you because that is not what the workplace is for that's not the workplace I know in my head or I see in the movies and so it's like had I not had the development that I had here in college I just questioned so many things because now I'm able to see okay it was my parents that put this idea in my head that I've just internalized that I never questioned you know Mm -hmm. we grew up learning to respect our elders um, and to never question things and so because of that I just took everything not even with a grain of salt I took it literally if my parents said something it was so and so I think that concept is so interesting and and how it's shaped my life because I've unlearned so much about how I perceive black American culture. Even if it like I know myself and I know my heart and I would never intentionally treat them a type of way. But I did have thoughts about black Americans because of the way that I was raised. Oh, my gosh. Girl, you speaking the truth. I feel like media has a lot to do with that because the narrative that's being spoken to Africans is that black people are troublesome, that they're going to get you in jail, that they smoke weed, that they and they do all of these things um, that shows the life of a criminal. Um, they show you the rap. They show you them sagging their pants low, 90s and all this stuff. But then the narrative to 
uh, African Americans is that Africans are poor and that they don't know what to do and then they're they're strict, they're aggressive. And like there's I think there's truth in some of these things, but that's not the entire truth. Not all people are not all black people are gangsters, not all Africans are just like savages. And so I feel like media has a way of deceiving how we view each other because a lot of our parents they watch CNN, they watch TV, and <laughs> they encounter black people um, through media and through the lens of they, we are not the same. Mm -hmm. And so it carries that message to us, the children, that you are not the same as these people. These people, they are lazy. They don't like to do this. They, they like to order food. They like to eat chicken all day. And so I, I, I agree with you in the sense of like hearing all of those things about black people had always made me feel like I'm not black because I'm not like I'm African. And it, it, it just sucks because it took um, it took the like the killing of George Floyd and like all these racial injustices for me to really realize it because I used to be like, oh, I'm not black, I'm African. Like, mm -hmm. there's a difference. But then I saw a post that was just like, when you get pulled over, they're not going to ask you, are you African-American? Are you African? They just see black. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, you are black. And that it hit me because it's just like, OK, you're right. Like, even though even though we have different features or our cultures are different, they're, gonna, they're not going to ask me if I'm eating like jambalaya or like jollof rice. Like it, what, it is what it is. And so I had to like come to terms with the fact that, you know what? I am black and black is different for everybody. Like I said, there's the color, there's the color, there's the culture, and then there's the race. And so it's, it's been a lot of unlearning, especially in college and debunking these myths. Yeah. Cause yeah. Okay. So I feel like I, I well, I know I have a couple things to say about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So for one, whenever you like talked about how, whenever you harped on this idea of you know we did a lot of the work within college I think about how a lot of the collaborations we see between black Americans and Africans happen within like among the youth yeah. like it's not our parents our parents are so stuck in their ways and so it's us who has to do that work and that's why I get so happy when I see people interacting with Afrobeats and things of that sense because mm -hmm. you know they're finally we're finally as young people educating ourselves and recognizing that we're all we all share one thing in common, yeah. which is where we originate from, yeah. and we can bond over that. Um, but I just think it's it's especially critical to note that it doesn't happen typically within our parents because mm. of the ways that they're so stuck in their ways. Right. you know, And they're the ones who have imprinted those ideas upon us. And so we, the young people, really have to do that work. Yeah. Um, and then with that, you had talked, oh, okay, so I just had a thought. Um, mm. And it pertains to Afrobeats. I don't know if this is true, but I think one of the reasons that maybe black Americans have been act, uh, interacting with Afrobeats more is that we have positioned Afrobeats in a way to not only respect the culture, but also mm. be um, identifiable for black Americans. Right. If you look at Afrobeats now, they're not entirely within um, like you know native languages. Mm -hmm. They also have some English in them. Yeah. So black Americans as a people are also able to relate to Afrobeats. Yeah. It's something like, oh, like, you know, this comes from my culture this comes from my people um that you know i'm long separated from but i can still vibe with it because it does you know fit certain things that i do know there are english words within it and that's what i've loved about Afrobeats and the way that everyone has been able to you know interact with it mm -hmm. and also like if you look just like on social media and stuff i feel like people all over the world have been interacting with Afrobeats, yeah. um and i think that's such a beautiful thing mm -hmm. it is really a beautiful thing I agree with like the music thing because one thing that they say because Nigeria is like at the top right now with mm -hmm. like Afro beats because they have Thames they have Wizkid, uh, Davido and they all sing like English songs and they'll put like they'll put like some of their dialect in there yeah but for the most part even like anybody across the world can sing it and so like in Ghana the thing is like most a lot of our of our uh, artists sing in like the local language and mm -hmm. so like you can't really like you could bring it to america but they're not really like singing the language so a lot of us are like oh we have to start singing like in english so that you know we could also go to the world because i think the most that a lot of people know is like shatawale mm -hmm. and he made the song with beyonce and so that was that was a win for ghana and then you have like 
yeah what do we have <laughs> we have a few people out here but i think that is that that's that's uh the culture that brings us bringing us together yeah it's crazy though because y'all like to be known because over in east africa we don't be doing that like we our music is so traditional yeah. and we don't switch it up for nobody mm-hmm. like we have this new song that came out um at least in south sudan and it's called action and energy by john frog it is such an upbeat song and yeah. like anytime for example whenever our boys qualified for the fiba world cup yeah um which is basketball we like celebrated it was such a huge win for us especially being these tall people that we are and everything yeah. and they played this song and so all the boys had you know ended up just like having a really good time with it and that's like one of the few upbeat and you know the words i know all the words because i also struggle with my dialect type yeah. thing and so that we just don't have very many of those songs mm-hmm. um but we're i feel like we're starting to get there but i also can't see at least east africa for a while getting to a spot yeah. where our music has mostly english words yeah and so I just think it's crazy, like, even the differences between, like, um, the West Africa and East Africa. There are so many differences among us. Yeah. Um, but I just think that's the beauty of Africa. I, I think so, too. And I think globalization has a lot to do with things because it's like we have East Africa where they're so rich in their culture and we look at it and we love it. And then even though, like, West Africans are also rich in their culture, it's a lot of assimilation to, like, American culture. So there's this place in Ghana called Kumerica. And it, the, the city is actually Kumasi. And but because uh it's a lot of people who were in america then they came back to uh ghana and then they have this like yo 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 image of like sagging and they're like i don't know a lot of us in america we think it's cool it's, it's kind of funny because it's just like they're african but they're trying to be american at the yeah. same time so it's like this this narrative of like rap and hip and african and so you see the globalization happening where um ghana is Ghana, Africa, uh, Nigeria, we're so rich in our culture, but there's a, there's like a meshing. But between. there has to be. If you look at the Atlantic slave trade that happened in West Africa. And right. so most people, when they trace their identity back, they come from those West African right. countries. So it's easier for them to identify mm-hmm. with. I I doubt that anybody is going to retrace their history. It's like, oh, I'm from South Sudan. You know, mm-hmm. like all people originated from Sudan, but that's not what the ancestry is going to give you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we're, we're just traditional. Our culture is very sacred and it's hard to integrate yourself into a place that you don't understand there is so much about east african culture that people don't even realize is like african because the african that they know is the africa that's broadcasted and that's west africa that is true you know and i think about that all the time because me being Ghanaian, like i love it and the people always mistake me for being nigerian because i don't know i I feel like nigerian is definitely on the top if you think of a babaloa or like all of these like dr tunde's it's like I think Nigeria is really making it a, a name for itself in the Western world. And so it makes me think about how like East Africa and West Africa, although we're alike, there is that difference. Mm-hmm. There is that like difference in culture. But one thing I do love about East Africa is that when you see them, you like you kinda you can kinda tell where they're yeah. from. Like if you look at a South Sudanese person, like there's no doubt you're from South That's Sudan. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's gonna trace their ancestry to that part. Yeah. Or even like okay, so one thing I love, Ethiopia and Eritrea, like when you see them, they're either like you can tell like they're either from one of the two places. Absolutely. It's their hair, it's their skin color, it's their facial facial features, and I feel like that's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But it's crazy because I know we talked about like um, how we choose to identify at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. within my research, I also found that there were certain things that make it more likely for us to identify as African at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Besides just like, you know, this idea of first and second generation um, Africans living in the U.S. Apart from that, we also have like this idea of shared values with us because of the way that we grew up, because we ended up we end up searching for identity our whole lives. Something that um, claims our identity is the values that we hold. 
hold, Mm -hmm. what we hold to be most pertinent for ourselves. And so we get those from our family members. You know, that's the foundation of where we get our values from. And so for us, our parents have imprinted these things upon us. And so that's what we grow up believing, even whenever we come to college. You know, they say actually that you will parent your kids in the same way that your your parents parented you, which can be a crazy thought, (laughs) which can be a crazy thought. But it's true. You have to work over time to erase the way that your parents raised you and then ultimately raise your children different. And so because of that, our shared values make it more likely for us to identify as African because those values do come from the African culture. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to raise my children the way that they raise it. Like, I'm like, I'm like, yay. But then, ugh, because I like the way I turned out. But I mean, that's that's because God did a, you know, a sprinkle of dosage. No, in for there. real. <laughs> so it makes you think like, am I going to raise my children the same way that my parents raised me? Like, am I going to beat them? Am I going to, how am I going to address them? And I think college did a lot to like, remove a lot of the like kind of like the damage that was done because Mm -hmm. i think it's being it's great being raised by african parents but then also there's that cultural disconnect where they're raising children how their parents most likely raised them which fit in the environment because they were raised in a whole different country yeah but then you come to america where they're raising you the african way while you're still trying to understand your american culture and there's like a huge disconnect huge disconnect absolutely man i think about that all the time because like you said i love the way that i was that i turned out but then i see some other african kids and you know africans we can all relate to a lot of the same things you know i don't i don't it's so crazy i feel like they all pull from the same manual (laughs) all of us are just being raised the same way and that is beyond me but because of that it's like i just i see the way that some people have interacted with the ways that they were raised and it's not been you know a positive outcome and so i just think i think it's truly says a lot about the person and their personality but you can't raise every child the same way that's just not the way that it works you can't on the same foundations but for example whenever it came to like beatings my parents would try to beat every child but i have you know nine siblings after 10 siblings after me and with our siblings some of them you would beat them they would go and do the same thing just to prove a point you know i was not that child though you beat me once i'm good i don't want another beating (laughs) but like not every child is that same way but africans that's sometimes i feel like when it comes to discipline that's all they know so they will just get to beating anything they can find and it's like i can't count the number of things that i have been beat with girl okay yeah and so it's like okay but you see the outcome is not working so what are you going to do be harder beat them more often change your ways you know and that's that's one thing that i really gets me about africans the way that they are so stuck in their ways sometimes we see it now within like the physical continent within our political leaders things of that sort but them being stuck in their ways is not doing anybody good it's not oh my gosh no because i'm getting flashbacks of the belts of the hangers of the sticks of the cooking utensils mm-hmm. and like for some people they're like oh my gosh this is abuse but like that that's just what happens if you if you if you if you mess up a nice little slap and i think it, it's fun it's not fun but it, it's funny now that like i we can sit here and talk about the way that we were raised but like some of that stuff is actually very 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 traumatizing yeah like, very traumatizing i remember no i'm not gonna share that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no absolutely i just it's crazy because because I have so much respect for my parents and the way that they raised me, I would love to parent my kids in the same way in a sense. Right. But something's got to give. Something's got to give. But I still, at the end of the day, I definitely want to honor them. I don't want them to ever feel like, um, like even sometimes when I have these conversations, I'm like, okay, am I disrespecting my parents by, you know, getting on the air and having conversations like this? I think about that all the time. And it's like where I desire to have a career in public speaking and where I know that this is something that I'm going to get my PhD in. 
I don't I don't want them to ever like you know hear something from somebody else yes. or to watch one of my videos and be like oh wow my daughter she just has no respect for me that's that's definitely not what Girl, it is that's what like even talking right now that's like the only thing that's going through my mind like it's just like what my parents hear this like every episode that I do it's just almost like if this gets out to my parents what are they gonna say mm-hmm. and I, I I it's like a I hate it because we have like this we have this respect for our parents where we know what to share we know what not to share but sometimes things are our story too and so it's like it's valid for us to share but because we were probably afraid of what others are going to think or what the church members might hear and tell our parents and it's just like oh i can't share that and i think for me it's a college to like get out of that scope and out of that sphere because like i couldn't be honest and vulnerable with anybody because my community we're all very close-knit like the church we call it a family church because it's families and we all know each other but i'm coming to college where i don't know nobody so it's like i can tell you my story but you don't know you don't know my family like that Mm -hmm. so it would help whenever I would talk to people that I don't already know, because then it's like, well, you don't have that predetermined judgment and I can tell you this. And, you know, so I, I really feel like that's 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 a huge thing. I'm thinking about that right now. Like if my parents hear this, what are they going to say? Are they going to be like, why did you? Because that's how my dad is too. And I realize a lot of men, well, I can only speak from my experience, but my dad is just like that. Like, why would you say that? Mm-hmm. So when I started like a YouTube channel and I would like do motivational speaking, he was like, I saw your video. Why did you tell them that you woke up? And I was like, daddy, that was last year. Like, <laughs> if anything, I will tell you something about the present. I'll tell you something about the past instead of the present so that it's not relevant and y'all can't catch me. Like on vacations, like we have this thing where like I don't even post when I'm on vacation like a lot of people are like you know posting stories and stuff I don't do that because of like safety precautions if y'all know that me and my whole family are out the house y'all gonna get my pictures when I'm back home Mm -hmm. and so it's like things like that that make me and make me think that sharing about my experience is more than just me it's also my parents it's also my siblings what I share can also affect them as well so girl that ain't scary boy and while that's true, I feel like we would also be doing not just our ourselves, but also like the generations to come after us a disservice if we didn't talk mm-hmm. about it, you know? Like, I feel like we have a place, especially as like educated college yeah. students, to get out there and share about our experiences and how we grew from them. And that's what like my whole life post college graduation is about. Yeah. Like, literally talking about the experiences that we've been through so that way we can heal from them. Yeah. You know, we won't ever like, you know, redo or um, fix generational trauma if we don't have these conversations and we can't allow like our parents and the ways in which they're stuck in their ways to affect how we choose to live our lives because ultimately we are a conglomeration of cultures how we choose to accept it how we choose to move forward is up to us but for now it will forever affect us if we don't decide to have these conversations and be open about how we feel about everything Mm -hmm. and so i think about that because at the very end of my paper and my conclusion i talked about the importance in just finding identity and how it troubles especially immigrant children whenever they don't find their identity because like a lot of times our identities are forced upon us by our parents or we think that we have to do something a particular type of way because of society but they're Mm -hmm. not our own identities and we all know how important identity is as a whole like you know it shapes you if you don't have values that you can stand on then you're gonna fall for everything and so I I think about that as well whenever I think about like upsetting our parents because our parents get upset by anything let's be honest like and the thing that they get upset by can change day to day no yeah one day my mom she'll be upset about one thing the next day she she won't care and I said how how can you change your mind like this and I'm I'm constantly tiptoeing around what to say and what not to say and that's one thing I don't want to imprint upon my own children Mm. I want them to feel like they can come to me for anything and it's like I don't want this whole oh mom's not in a good uh, mood this day like I'm not going to speak with her. No, I don't want that. That's that's not fair to my children, yeah. you know? Ayak, bro. You are speaking facts. 
<laughs> it's getting hot in here. No, you're speaking facts, bro. Because like growing up, there are moments where I'm like so confused because it's just like I said this and I didn't even mean it like that, but then it's taken as an insult. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just like, wait, so do I say this? Do I not say this? Do I tell the truth or do I lie? Like, it, so it, it it was very confusing. Like being right, like just growing up and like understanding, like is this going to trigger you or is this not going to trigger you? And it made me realize that like I come to the conclusions that Africans are very sensitive mm-hmm. as much as they are like they can be mean. They're very sensitive. They just put on a tough show. A very tough show. Because, like, even if you look at culture, in Ghanaian culture, even if you shake someone's hand with your left hand, that's a thing. The thing is, I did not know that. I was just, like, they told us to always use your right hand whenever you're getting something from somebody. Okay, cool. I remember one time, I used my left hand to get something from my uncle. And he was like, oh, you're stupid. Why are you doing that? And I was like, like, why are you yelling? Yeah. And so I asked him. He was like, don't you know why? Why, why, why are you giving me your left hand? Don't you know? I was like, don't I know what? He said, which hand do you use when you, when you wipe your butts? I was like, my right hand. He said, no, that's supposed to use your left hand. And then you take something, you use your right hand. And I was like, wait. I have never heard that one. I never <laughs> heard it too until that day. So Imagine was, being left-handed. Girl, no, that, okay, it might as well be ambidextrous. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But once I learned that, I was like, oh, so this is part of the culture that I didn't understand because I just knew that I had to give things or take things with my right hand. I didn't know why. So whenever he explained that, I was like, oh, that's why we always shake with our right hand and they see it disrespectful when we use our left. And so things like that, I wish it was translated in the way that they brought us up. Because I do feel that sometimes like our African parents think that we already know things. And it's like, no, you still have to teach me because I'm, although I'm African, like you raised, you raised me in Georgia. So like my mom, I call her a super mom because my mom can cook like three soups and one stew and like all at the same time. Give me pepper, give me this, give me this. And she knows what is going in each Every time she does that, I'm like, I have like a recipe list. I'm like writing it down <laughs> and I have to like finish one thing before I get to the next. I probably make one stew in one day, maybe the rice the next day. And she does all these things. And sometimes she's just like, ah, you children, yeah, you don't know how to. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it mm-hmm. because I feel like they're such, they're like, they're so powerful to the extent that, sorry, they're so powerful to the extent that they do things on such a high level that when we don't meet, meet that high standard, then they're like, oh, you are just like, useless yeah, they love that word yeah, how many times have i been called useless go for nothing mm-hmm. ah. but then it's like consider where you were raised consider where i am raised yeah. it doesn't make sense it doesn't now you sense. come here i'm so happy to finally have a dishwasher lo and behold i'm the dishwasher i'm the dishwasher so i asked them why do we have a dishwasher mm, oh order. for sure yeah <laughs> it means sure. we have money ah uh, yeah i'm telling you it's there's oh there's such a disconnect and even you talked about like acting a certain way so that we can like impress our parents. I I feel that so much just because there are moments where they would say things and it's just like as a child you want to impress your parents. It's just like a natural feeling that everybody feels. And so there were times where I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do that because I see that they don't like that. But then whenever I find myself like resting, like something that's rest, African parents don't like to rest. Mm-hmm. So as much as me like sitting down and resting, I would feel bad. And I'm like, there's something I could be doing right now. And I feel so lazy. And I'm like, oh, I feel so American right now. Or I feel like, I feel not African right now. And I hate that that's the association. But because African parents don't like to rest and when they see you sitting down, they automatically assume that you have to do something or otherwise you're lazy. Like that's imprinted on me. And so it's up to me to change that narrative. Like just because I'm resting don't mean I'm lazy. Yeah. Just because I'm sleeping don't mean that I have nothing to do. Like rest is a part of human life, bro. <laughs> and then I think even when it comes to like sharing things with them, I feel like most times they would rather be oblivious than know the truth. <laughs> Like they will just they will lie to themselves for one. They will they will live in a lie their whole life. Yeah. It's like, oh, my, my child is a good child. No matter what their child is doing, their child is a good child. Hey. Because you know, obviously they want to, to see the best in their child, yeah. but then they will go and gossip as if their their child is actually okay. a good child. Okay. 
And so I just, I don't understand. I don't understand the concept of, of wanting to just not know information, especially at the expense of your children. Oh my gosh. I Take the podcast. This podcast is yours now. Hey, please. <laughs> because you the, got way, this. You, the way you're preaching, bro, like, I'm oh my so gosh. passionate. I've lived this life. And it's like, I think that's why I'm so grateful for college. Because growing up, I thought my parents were delusional. I'm not going to lie. Mm. I didn't have African friends growing up. Mm. So I'm like, what are my parents on? I wanted to get out of that house so bad. Mm-hmm. And then coming to college, I would hear stories. And it's like, oh. Your parents were the same way. Yeah. Maybe it's just us two. And mm-hmm. then I keep on, you know, interacting with the African Student Association we have here. And I realized this is just a universal African experience. Mm-hmm. And that brought me so much peace. And I'm not going to lie. That made me respect my parents so much wow. more. To know that, okay, you're not just acting crazy just to act crazy. Right. Like, you, this is something that was imprinted upon you. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be so much work for you to change yeah. things that you don't understand what's wrong about Come it. On. Because they don't understand what's yeah. wrong in the way that they're acting. And because we don't tell them, they're going to continue to not understand. Oh and so I think they're just going to to learn by the ways that we act but we have to act in a way that lets them know we still respect them and their sacrifice and their hustle but we can't move in the same way and I yeah. hope that that's enough for them to realize that they did make some mistakes because you know they don't like to admit it yeah. when is the last time you got a sorry from your parents ah, it's not sorry it's coming easy mm-hmm. <laughs> hey oh my gosh okay so talk a little bit about your your upbringing because you mentioned that like you would think your parents are delusional and you didn't have Africans around you so like what was your environment like my environment was hostile. I was doing things that somebody my age should not be doing. And it's like, I'm the oldest of 11, right? I have five younger brothers, five younger sisters. Granted, two of them, they don't live in the States. And so it's really just the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I was raised by my father, even though my mother, she was not too far away, but I was raised by my father. Mm-hmm. And so it's my father and it's two of my sisters. Mm-hmm. And so as we grew up, because I was the oldest, I would do motherly duties in the house because, you know, my father, because he's here just because it means he's, he's here to work. That's it. <laughs> that's his job he's not supposed to be cooking he's not supposed to be he should just rest and work Mm. and I should bring him his food right no Mm. but that's what I did and so it's just so crazy that I I had to grow up so fast because my mom wasn't in the house and I was sometimes I remember I would come home from my from my job and I would go and I would make myself breakfast my father would be relaxing on the couch I said oh it's a good morning huh and then I would sit down to eat my food he'd be like what you can't make me anything hey do you not have two legs (laughs) And then he wants to go on a rant talking about if we, if we were in Africa, you would wake up every morning, you would make my bed, you would make my tea. Mm-hmm. Are we in Africa? Be so for real with Be me. So for real. I, it just that part frustrates me because then I look at other children my own age and they're not they're not doing the same yeah. things, you know. And so how are we all trying to excel within our academics and having the same experience at school, but then I go home and I have a terrible a totally different experience that is affecting the way that I do my academics. Jeez. And so ultimately, I feel like it, it changed the way that I. Um, pursued academics obviously i still tried to do my best not just for myself but for my parents Mm. but it made it incredibly difficult because there were nights where i just you know i didn't sleep because my first priority was making sure that my siblings were fed that Mm. my father was fed that the house was clean and then on top of that my siblings could do anything anything under the sun and then i would be the one to be blamed for it and then my father he'd be like well you didn't see them you weren't watching them my sister she's one year younger than me why am i going to just (laughs) watch her like an eagle like i I don't understand. Oh and so I just, I feel like I couldn't relate because I didn't have African friends. There was nobody that I could go and talk to about everything that like, you know, I was going through in the house or I sounded delusional because people would look at me, they'd be like, why, why are you telling your parents where you're going? Like, yeah. just leave the house, come back at your curfew. It's- hey, curfew. Who okay. has curfew? Ah. And so it's just, I remember whenever I would go to like the football games and stuff, my dad, he, he would text me. He would say, be back by 8 p.m. Dad, 
8 p.m. is barely kickoff. Yeah. Like, and so it's just like moments like that. I felt like I didn't belong because I grew up in like a predominantly white town. I grew up in a predominantly white high school. Yeah. And because I didn't, not even just African, like African friends, I didn't have black friends. All of my friends somehow ended up being Asian. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. Um, definitely not intentional. But because of that, like I just didn't have anyone to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I think that's such a wild thing and I, I'm so grateful that I was able to come to college and to have those experiences and that um, I realized that you know some of the things that my parents were saying is just is genuinely what they think in Africa mm-hmm. you know and you can only teach based off of what you know yeah oh my gosh Ayak bro when I tell you that I love this girl I'm <laughs> not even joking no your experience is so real like I think a lot of us you put to words what a lot of us didn't know how to express. Like, we felt it, but we didn't know how to, like, even articulate that. That is legit. Mm-hmm. That is legit. If you were in Africa, if you were in Africa. But it's just, like, I don't think they understand that we are not in Africa. And we don't even have the memory of what they have experienced because that's not our lives. Yeah. And so I feel like a tactic that they need to stop, or African parents, or let me say immigrant parents need to stop using, is, like, if we were in my country, you'd be doing this, you'd be doing this, you'd be doing this, as a, as a manipulation tactic. Because it's, like... We actually can't relate to it. And if I, I could try with all my heart and my imagination, but I've never lived the life of actually having to go and sell food in the streets and stuff like that. Like whenever my mom tells me stories about like when she was younger, she used to have her mom do this and they'd go out and they'd sell this and they would do this. And it's just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so it's like my mom, she braids hair and we've always been braiding hair. And so in the same way, it's like I go to school, I live my life, I come back and I run a business with my mom. And so it's like, it's not even, it's like, Put your bag down, go get a snack, and come in, come and break. Mm. And I remember there were moments, oh gosh, bro, like it, it hours. Breaking takes hours, and so it's like I know I have an assignment to do, but then I can't do my assignment until I'm finished helping my mom run this business, mm-hmm. and it's a family business, so it. <laughs> It, it ain't even like you get it like $9 an hour. It's more like, you know, you're helping your mom and I'm putting food at your table. So it's like there's this disconnect between there's just there's just a huge disconnect. And I'm glad that you were able to like put words to it because I feel that so much. And I, I really hope that African parents can like understand that like our lives are different and they may not understand it to the under like the scope that we do. But we're going to need some grace. But imagine how do you tell someone who paid the ultimate sacrifice? They, <laughs> they risked everything so that way they can come to america and set themselves up for success that they are still not setting their children up for success you don't tell them anything (laughs) you just take it exactly and so i think that's why we have to do the work of having these conversations of being honest with ourselves of being honest with our peers so that way we can heal amongst ourselves but i don't know if we can always heal alongside our parents that's because we know our parents are unhealed people Mm. we know that they have seen traumatic things but in their lifetime will they be healed we might never know that Mm. That's deep. No, that's 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 really deep. And I feel like everything that we're mentioning, it's like, like like you said, it didn't. T- it took you like coming to college and realizing that your experiences were not just your own for you to respect your parents. I respected my parents as people whenever I left ho- the house because like when I saw them, it was like, oh, this is mommy, this this is daddy, da 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 da. But when I came and I learned about humans and and how they actually like made a sacrifice, like if I were to leave like Bria Kentucky today to leave in a di- live in a diff- different country get married have children like that's a that's a that's a huge sacrifice and so I feel like it should even make us appreciate them so much and even though there is that disconnect and even though like sometimes we culturally don't understand the same thing it's like like highest honors to them like highest like I really really <laughs> applaud them <laughs> like oh, oh, oh no 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 okay 
Yes. I really, <laughs> really applaud them for the sacrifices that they make because I don't think my mind can actually fathom what it feels like to get married, to come to America, to raise children in places where you don't even understand the local language. Like my mom was telling me some time ago that she was telling me stories. And I wish that like my parents did more of this so that I could understand their point of view. Mm -hmm. But she was telling me stories of like when she first came to America we used to live in Ohio and she was saying how she got a job and there were like three of us because there's four of us right now but she, I think she only had two or three children at the time and she was working but she couldn't speak English and so she, and she didn't have a she didn't know anybody she didn't have a car so she would walk to the workplace and then she would have to find someone to babysit us and she's using the little English that she has that's just like work and it's just like I can't imagine what that feels like and so even to this day like she speaks really really good english but there are moments where like i can see like her past tense and her present tense are like mixed up yeah and i didn't realize that until like i like other people would, who, who like speak english came around i was like oh that sounds a little bit off but i'm so used to her like my mom's english but i really commend her because for you to come to a country where you don't know the language you don't know the customs but you made a life made, made one for us that we can be this way it's like it's really commendable so i know that there's like a whole bunch of like negative things and we and i mean we do need to heal from it and they do need to hear those conversations but i really do commend them for what they've done for us that's that's huge absolutely but i think as much as we respect them we have to come back to this idea that at the end of the day we are going to upset them it's just a part of life but i hope that while we are while we are doing things that we know might upset them we are still doing things for the purpose that they have set up for us mm. in the sense that we are setting the, ourselves up for success because we know that all our parents desire for us is for us to be well off you yeah. know for us to feel like we are successful for us to make something of ourselves in a way that they weren't able to do for themselves and so even whenever i think about the purpose that i have for my life the purpose that i i hope aligns with god's purpose for me mm -hmm. even as i think about that i know that there will be moments where my parents are just going to be upset like particularly yeah. my gap year plans that i have yet to tell them about <laughs> i i know that it's, it's not going to be something for them to fathom easily yeah. and it might upset them but yeah. i hope that when they see me graduate with my with my phd when they see me do all of these wonderful things that they have spoken over in my life that they will have a sense of peace with it amen okay well i hate oh my gosh i hate to cut this conversation because it's so good but do you have any last words <sighs> i think i would just say that in your search for identity, I hope that people are continuing to have conversations like this and to explore different realms, no matter what society tells you, no matter what society looks like at that point in time, because it is constantly changing, that people just talk to people, you know, explore things. There's there's no harm in it. Um, and I, it's, it's something that's worth doing. And I, I'm so grateful, like I said, multiple times that I've just been able to come to college and to explore different facets of my identity, not just in terms of like my racial or ethnic identity, but in terms of just who I am as a person, like I explored passions here that I, I never explored anywhere else. In the same way that people go after the things that, you know, just seem really, really cool about um, like experiences and things of that sort. I wish people would do the same thing when it applies to identity. Mm, amen. And I'd also say to anyone listening to this, do not be do not be afraid to embrace culture, whether it's your culture or if it's someone else's culture. Um, culture is a big thing. And so don't ever feel like, oh, I'm to this, so I can't. Like, no. Like, the world is globalizing. A lot of cultures are meshing. Go out of your comfort zone, even if people are telling you, like, that's not appropriate. Learn what's respectful, of course, to respect the culture, but learn about your culture and learn about other cultures. And sometimes you may make your parents upset about some things that you're doing, but if it's going to progress you in life, 
hey sometimes they, they, don't, they just don't need to know about it until you get your award you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so <laughs> thank you so much ayak for coming on to this podcast god bless you i really hope oh my gosh when you graduate you gotta come back because conversations like this need to be had absolutely thank well, you for having me yes well this is sab this is ayak and we're out peace <laughs>